mobile app, on your Alexa-powered smart speaker, and on TuneIn, iHeart, and on Odyssey. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, Bernie Marcus, who last week was lamenting the state of the ethic of the American worker, particularly young people, don't want to work. Fat, lazy, and stupid. Uh, Had an interesting op-ed in the journal about uh, his experience as an entrepreneur. And it's such a great story, the story of Home Depot, co-founder of Home Depot with Arthur Blank, uh, because it just speaks to this myth that being an entrepreneur means, oh, you start out, you open a business, and then, you know, 30 years later, you're a billionaire. <laughs> and it's just a straight line right up. No problems. No issues. What, what, more than half fail. Small businesses fail within the first year. He writes, I didn't start out in the home improvement industry. I worked my way up the corporate ladder only to be fired by a capricious boss. When I found myself unemployed at 49, at 49, that's rough. I had every reason to be bitter, but I turned to entrepreneurship, which made my life second act far better than I could have imagined. With almost no money, I had the idea to open a hardware store, a lumberyard, and a garden store all in one. What began as a single store in Georgia grew to more than 2,000 locations nationwide and made me a billionaire in the process. Only in, a member, only in America could a member of an ethnic minority from a poor immigrant family write that kind of success story. But he says, uh, the financial rewards pale in comparison to the emotional rewards of seeing my company help others become financially independent through entrepreneurship. Home Depot democratized the home improvement landscaping and building trade so that anyone willing to work up a sweat and learn some basic skills could immediately start a sole proprietorship or a small business serving some of the nation's 80 million homeowners or just do home improvements yourself and save some money in the process, right? You can see entrepreneurs driving around town in their trucks full of tools and material. Many of them are minorities. They don't consider themselves victims of racial wealth or income gaps. They're actively overcoming economic disparities through work. And he goes on to contrast that uh, with the direction government is moving, which is in, in the direction of hurdling, uh, of, uh, of uh, erecting hurdles to entrepreneurship, uh, saying, as we talked about per his comments in the interview he gave last week, that if he started Home Depot today, it wouldn't have been, he doesn't believe it would have grown to 2,000 stores. It maybe would have been a couple, few stores. And think how many fewer people would have been served, how many fewer people would have achieved financial independence as compared to the numbers that were served that did achieve financial independence because of Bernie Marcus's simple but elegant idea and is willing to be a productive risk taker at 49 years old. Good for him. For more on this in the context of, well, we have to go back to government because we're going to talk about the Fed and markets. Pleased to be joined by Jim Perry, our friend who uh, has a new title, founder, CEO of Perry International Capital Partners. Speaking of entrepreneurship, no longer working for the man. Jim Perry's gone to work for himself. Jim, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate you having me this morning. Yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, uh, just uh, before we get into you know charts and graphs and and the pronouncements of Fed governors, um, just a perspective as somebody who follows all of these entrepreneurs and their effective work product, the companies that they start or build. Um, your reflections on what Bernie Marcus has been saying of late. He seems like he's, you know, he's 93 years old, so I'm sure he feels like he's on the clock and he wants to deliver some wisdom in the face of what he sees as a lot of ignorant public policy. Yeah, I mean, you know, small businesses and entrepreneurship are really the lifeblood of this country. It's what made this country what it is. Uh, there's more freedom to, to start things in this country than really any other region in the world. And uh, he's absolutely right. The rewards uh, financially are certainly part of it, but the bigger reward is the emotional and spiritual, uh, constructive, uh, ongoing life lessons of, of creating something that, that, that makes the world a better place for the people that work for you and, and your customers. So I, I'm a big fan. Plus, it keeps a lot of guys out of the gin mills and gambling halls, too. I got to work. I got stuff I got to do. I got to accomplish productive things, you know? Right. Well, that kind of dovetails into what's going on here. This pandemic has been pretty crazy. There's uh, something like four and a half million fewer workers today than there were before the pandemic. So a lot of people have left the workforce. Mm -hmm. So um, the market was... Uh, booming yesterday for a portion of the day and then a fed governor said uh, uh don't uh, put on the party hats quite yet because we still need to attack this inflation monster so expect the fed to stay the course in the face of that december jobs number that was surprisingly good um so i mean which i which shouldn't come as a surprise it seemed to but um that that's where we're at we're still tracking for uh, Jay Powell to continue hiking rates through the first quarter, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, I suppose one quick sentence, you know, to set the tone for the year for your listeners and investors everywhere, you know, 2023 is going to be about the potential for a deceleration of inflation. Um, it's going to be about the terminal level of funding rates, the longevity of restrictive policy, and the ultimate impact, really, uh, uh, of the end of stimulative, po stimulative policy on the economy and markets. Um, and really, you know, the primary macroeconomic focus is the Fed's efforts to control the inflation that they themselves created. <laughs> well, well and, and so you also have this... Um you know, again, the sort of every everything becomes government centric it necessarily when the government expands itself into all nooks and crannies of people's lives. So, you know, the one hand, we were told uh, to not be concerned about um, uh, inflated earnings while the Fed was doing all its asset purchases through a decade of quantitative easing. And now we're told, hey, ratchet down your expectations with respect to earnings. Don't don't be too uh, uh, taken aback if uh, earnings don't meet expectations as earnings reports come out. Yeah, that's right. I mean, earnings reports start Friday with the big banks and uh, United Healthcare, one of the big stocks in the, in the Dow. Um, the Fed's inflation fighting regime, which was initiated last March, is definitely going to slow the economy down. Um, 
The Fed's playbook calls for reversing inflation by crushing demand, right? Um, the target goal for the Fed is low and stable inflation. I guess, definitionally, that's something like a 2% growth rate in what they call the personal consumer expenditures, PCE. Uh, but the question is, you know, what what's going to be the cost of, of this sort of reversal of stimulus uh, on the economy and markets? And, and just looking at the math, you know, profit margins are going to come down because uh, the cost of money is going up. And a uh, lot of Americans are getting their Christmas credit card bills in the mail right now and uh, <clears throat> having a little bit of sticker shock. Yeah, I mean, this happens every January. You know, you tend to get the slowest GDP growth of the year after the Christmas holiday season and, and, and consumer spending season. It's the largest retail sales month of the year. And uh, it was negative, you know. I mean, it's... The December numbers are really important. That's why the non-farm payroll number last Friday was important, because it kind of set the tone for the year. And, uh, you know, savings rates are at generational lows, mm -hmm. and credit exposure at the, at the household level is at record highs. It's running, you know, $400 billion higher this January than it was last January. That's an enormous number, you know? So at the household level last year, the average American lost 5% in terms of purchasing power because of inflation, wages not keeping up with inflation. Yes, uh, sir. That, that, uh, that gap may narrow for those who remain employed, but there's a lot more people who are going to be dislodged from their jobs as we're uh, you know, getting the signals from a lot of big companies that layoffs are in the offing. And, uh, yeah. and, and they also lost the, about $30,000 in their uh, out of their 401k so thirty thousand dollars in savings so um what should what should what should we think about the market equities in particular is this a, a good place to go in uh, despite the prospect of a recession uh that's uh, despite uh, the fed continuing to tighten up and and attack people's brokerage accounts we should right. we should be in we, we, we see a market that's going to tick up, or what do we see? Well, you know, it's the market, the stock market looks six months ahead, you know, and the bond market kind of is in the present, as is the FX market. And the stock market has a, is, is a bit of a reflection of, of, of human confidence and optimism. You know, people their own businesses. you know i had an interview with a guy yesterday that says you know i love the stock market but i i'm never going to make as much money in the stock market as i do my own business you know this is an entrepreneur this is a guy that owns his own business right but i think that right now the tone is that you know the fed speak is definitely hawkish i'm not sure they believe it or how long they're going to stay with it but the fact is that the stock market has had 10, 11, 12 different days in the last 12 months where it went up 700 points in a day, like it did last Friday, right? So this is not unusual to see big upswings in the stock market. And the main reason for that is that financial conditions really are still quite stimulative. You know, I mean, you look at, you look at China and Japan, these economies, the central banks there, they're pumping money into their economies faster now than they did in 2020, right? 
So the Chinese are doing it to protect the property market, and the Japanese are doing it because they want to inflate their economy, and they're able to do that for the first time in 30 years, and they secretly, they probably thrilled that the Japanese economy is actually inflating a little bit. So financial conditions are, are easy. Um, and I think that if you listen to Powell, and he's speaking in Stockholm today, uh, funny enough about central bank independence, but, you know, the Fed funds rate is at 4.5%. And inflation, and we'll get more information about that on Friday with the CPI report, but, you know, the last print was 7.1%. So what that tells you is that the real Fed funds rate is still negative, you know, 2 3%. So financial conditions are still very stimulative in this country. Um, and this is, you know, the Fed's balance sheet is still almost $9 trillion, and the $5 trillion that the Biden administration printed and put right into the economy, that money is still floating around in the financial system. So it's not a done deal that the, uh, that the stock market necessarily has to go down another 20%, like some people say. But... I have a hard time figuring out, you know, what's going to be the organic driver of higher prices. I mean, the stock market, the S&P is selling at 17 times forward earnings, right? That's above average over the last 10 years, right? When we have recession, that forward PE multiple, 10 times earnings, is not unusual in a recession. We're at 17, Right. And sometimes it goes down to eight. So there's a lot of risk in the market. Um, and I kind of think, I've been telling my clients that be patient, be happy to buy a treasury bill that gives you 4.8% as a guaranteed return in six months and wait for some of the dust to settle to see how China's reopening is going to play out and how restrictive policy is going to play out to the economy and the unemployment rate. That sounds like sensible advice to me. I think I'm going to take it. Uh, Jim Perry, founder, uh, CIO of Perry International Capital Partners, LLC. James, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Have a good day. Thanks. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. There's only one radio show in Chicago talking about today's biggest stories and telling you what they really mean. That show is this one. Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The answer. Hi, it's Amy, and my pillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever. Get the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98, a set of pillowcases for only $9.98. Folks say look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. So trust me, these sheets are ridiculously comfy. Rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows.